Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me, as always, is my lovely and talented co-hostess with the mostest, Mr. Ryan Stacey. Hello, Sydney. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I just change it up each week. I, you, you do. Know? You, you totally do. Yes. So, so, everybody, we are excited. Um, tonight, we're going to be interviewing the lovely and talented Maria Olson, who you will be um, familiar with from movies like Paranormal Activity 3, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. She's got some amazing work up, including, and if I'm slurring my words, because my teeth have been worked on today and I am sort of still numb, maybe. I don't know. It just Why don't you quit making up lies about your drinking problem? Yes. That's the problem. You have I mean I don't have problems. Ooh bitch, no I don't. I have problems. You got the problem. I got a problem, but it ain't booze. God. So um but she will be starring in the um I Spit on Your Grave sequel, yes. Deja, sequel Deja Vu, which is going to be released sometime this year, I believe. Um, but you can find her as well in Krampus Origins. And um, she is also the voice of Margaret White in our own little Ryan's fan film, She Burns in Hell, accounts from Chamberlain, Maine. Yes. So, and that's so. her second role she's actually voiced for me because she voiced Norma the babysitter at the beginning of my mm, most recent feature failing grace. So I've actually got to, I've got to kind of collaborate with Maria twice. And then, you know, we've got the third one coming up. So this time she'll actually be in front of me acting though. Oh, in person, in person. So, woo. So um, we're very excited about that. And um, but before we get to that, couple of things that we have to talk about um, really quickly. I am super excited. This literally just got announced tonight, um, as of our recording date. Uh, Nicholas Cage is reteaming with the team that brought us the amazing Mandy. And not only is it the team that brought Mandy to life, but he's working again. This is, you know, this is the team, Elijah Wood and these guys. Um, it's going to be an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation of The Color of Color Out of Space, which is a jacked up, messed up story. And it's perfect for Nicolas Cage to be insane in. So I'm very excited about that. I mean, this is my kind of crack. <laughs> Seriously, my crack right there. Nick Cage and H.P. Lovecraft together in one thing. Um, so I'm really stupidly excited about that. Um, the other thing I wanted to go over was the Oscar nominations that were released a couple of days ago. Actually, it was yesterday, I think. Um, for sure, I am... I am in, in awe that this happened, but we have for the first time, I think in the history of the Oscars, we have a comic book film nominated for best picture. And that is black Panther. Mm-hmm. Which, so I'm, I'm a little in awe of that because if I was going to guess a comic book movie that would get nominated for best picture, it would have been Logan. Right. You know, Black Panther, I think it's kind of funny because you're looking at this list and it's Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, which a lot of people are really torn about um, for various reasons. I saw it last night. How was it? Well, you know, didn't you say that Rami Malek was like the only reason to even see it? No, I did not say that because I, I, I don't know her. Um, you don't know her (laughs) i don't um i don't watch anything that that actor is in um sean and i were my roommate sean burka and i were watching it together and even sean like he was the first one to point out that rami malik doesn't really have the ass for that character Well, I mean, just because, you know, he was pretty thick there. And, like, Rami just looks very stringy compared to, or scrappy, 
He just didn't have the gravitas. That's that, why know, I was thinking Sasha Baron Cohen, but yes, you know that didn't happen. I've only seen two of the nominees, Jessica. I've seen that in A Star Is Born. Oh, and Black Panther. I did see Black Panther. See, Black Klansman was good, um, and it was, but I don't think it's going to win. I think looking at it, so we got Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, which I am shocked is nominated for this. I I just, I don't know why, but I am. Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Vice looks amazing, and I would love to see it. Um, But a lot of these are really politically motivated. (laughs) I think, um, like not politically, but like there's an agenda, a political agenda, I guess, with a lot of these. I mean, uh, half of them are are really focused on, you know, race relations and that kind of thing. And then the other is, you know, you've got uh, the political thing with Vice. The only one that's kind of like on its own is A Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody, I guess, in one way. I mean, they're kind of the similar and they're like these rock tragedies. Yeah. And Roma, like, I, it, I mean, it really is. This is like, I don't know. I'm kind of getting to the point where the Oscars can go kiss my butt. Because they they tend to, it seems like they're so, and this makes, you know, I hate sounding like this. But it's like, everything's an agenda anymore with it. And it's like. You know, it's funny as I watched a whole thing about this today. Um, and it was contained in a video. I'll send you the link if you want to watch it. Sure. But I've been I've been um, doing a lot of Hollywood research for the film I'm writing, and one of the things that I watched today was this quick video. It was like well, not quick. It was 18 minutes about Gwyneth Paltrow and her win in '99 for oh, Shakespeare God. and Love. I, the and fact that the that vi- movie won at all is this complete horse cocky. Well, like, it goes into the history of this shit and it basically was all, um, you know, the doing of Miramax, um, pretty much Harvey Weinstein. They bought it. They bought it. They bought it that um, year. It was something that they had been doing for a long time though, but that's when people really realized that there is a marketing strategy that can be done to get Oscars because it turns more revenue for your studio. And it just kind of makes a mockery, of the Oscars because the Oscars were all of the people in the film industry voting on who they felt had, you know, made the best achievements in film. The Oscars used to be called the Achievement Awards of the Academy Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Yep. Yeah. The Achievement I, Awards. Yeah, and that's that's why the people it's it's one of those things like if you go back and and for example one of my favorite shows that CBS has done in a, in, a, in like the last 10, 15 years was a show called Moonlight, which was a vampire series. It was really, really good. Interesting. Did Ryan Murphy do it? No. Then I didn't see it. You probably didn't see it. <laughs> but anyway, here's what's funny about Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And this is a prime example of this. So Moonlight was a great series. It was beautifully shot, wonderfully acted. Just great show. May I ask real quick when this series aired? Um, it was like early 2000s. I kind of recall this. Yeah. So what happened was Moonlight won Best New Drama Series at the People's Choice Awards, and they canceled it. They did the same thing, like literally within a week, it was announced it was canceled after it won. They did the same thing with the Ben Stiller show, too. Ben Stiller show won, like, best. It may have been an, an Emmy that it won. And and Fox canceled that, too. And it's interesting to me when you go back and you look at that. And it's like, well, why didn't you keep this around? Did someone piss you off? Was there, like, an agenda that you had to kick kick this to the curb? What was it? And it's almost like these, you know, the people, the people had spoken, the fans had spoken, but we don't give two shits about what the fans want or what the movie going public likes or, or, you know, what they're really interested in. We have an agenda we have to, 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 to cater to. So for example, right now it's, we need to still feel like we have to make a statement with these films, which is fine, but 
is it, you know, and I'm all for filmmakers having statements and using their the film world and using the art to get their their statement across. But I what I don't like is when you kind of piss all over a superior product and a superior film because you want to make a statement with your award show. And that's what it feels like it's becoming more and more and more of because, uh, you know, I look at Vice and it looks great, looks fantastic, but it kind of looks like a comedy in the way it's being advertised. And, you know, to me, a movie like Mandy, which kind of went back, you know, just blew my mind visually, isn't nominated for anything here. And, and they, what they did with Mandy, um, with the budget and with, with what they were able to, you know, what they, they did with it just was gorgeous and different and, and beautiful. And, uh, Nicholas Cage, you know, I knew he, you know, he's not, he's already won an Oscar, but he just brought it to that movie and just the visuals and everything to it. But you're never going to see a movie like Mandy be on here because it doesn't fit their agenda. And I sound like a, a crazy person and, 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 you know, but this, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, ah, I don't get it. I'm happy to see that we have a comic book movie nominated, but um, is Black Panther really the best comic book movie we've ever had? It's good. No. But it's not the best. That's my problem with that nomination. Yeah. I mean, I don't think The Dark Knight got nominated for Best Picture. They gave it the Best Actor nomination because he died. That's the only reason that that would have happened, even though he deserved it. But he would never have gotten nominated if Heath Ledger hadn't died. I honestly believe that. I do too, and I think it was a petty Oscar for hosing him for Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, exactly. It was pity, and he should have won for that film. That movie made me cry. I mean, that movie was beautiful. I remember watching that and that year, that ceremony, and I was rooting for him. And when Philip Seymour Hoffman won for Capote, I remember just being utterly disgusted because. I honestly have never given a shit about Truman Capote, and I most certainly don't give a shit about Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> well, what's funny is that same year that, that Capote came out, there was another version of the same story that um, was filmed at the same time. It was really, and another actor played the role, and the other actor actually was better. Um, and, uh, you know, I got a lot of flack, though, for feeling that way, like that it should have been Heath Ledger, because someone told me, well, you should have been happy that someone won a role at least playing a gay character and i'm like it had, uh, nothing, to do with some, it had nothing to do with someone playing a gay character it had to, the fact to, uh, but, i feel wait wait these, wait wait he was a gay character <laughs> it's true but what i'm saying is i didn't want him to win because he played a gay character right no, i wanted I him to win because I was heartbroken for him because he was someone who was heartbroken and completely missed out on what probably was the love of his life. No, it was a beaut. No, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I totally agree. And I think he got jacked over on that. I thought that movie was angly. Um, I don't even think he, did he even get nominated? Did he win best director for that? Or did somebody else win at that for that one? I think he may have won best director. I know it won a couple of the other things. Yeah, he should have won for best actor in that. But I going back to to the point I was making, I just I just think that it seems like this is getting more and more um they're they're just using it even more and it's kind of getting annoying, especially that, that's something for me to say. But it has gotten more and more um like we're going to make a point it's like, but you're not basing it on actual, I just don't see, you know, it just sucks. And then, but the one good thing to come out of this, one, the one good thing to come out of this whole mess, there's two actually, and that's supporting role. 
And that, and what makes me really excited about the supporting role actor in a supporting role is Richard E. Grant finally got nominated for an Oscar. And so did Sam motherfucking Elliot and Sam Elliot. They asked him about it and he goes about fucking time. (laughs) But let me tell you, have you seen a star is born? I need to see it. I've only seen parts and I want to see it, but I, I, I don't want to watch the ending. Why? Cause I know what happens. Well, who gives a shit then? It shouldn't I, be that hard for you. I know, but I don't want to, the doggy, the whole thing. I don't, Ugh. I don't, well, I don't uh, it is all, it is all worth it for that final scene of Lady Gaga singing that song. In that moment of her on stage, seeing Gaga, brunette, and just kind of completely the antithesis of what she is nowadays. You know, my this is funny. I don't often talk about my family or my personal life on this show. But my dad and my mother fucking hate Lady Gaga. They, they, <laughs> she just works their nerves, okay? But I guess my dad saw a commercial or something for A Star is Born and made a comment to my mother in the way of that he felt it was, he said that she should um, look like that. Meaning how Allie looks in A Star is Born. He's like, because she is so much better looking as a real person. Well, you you heard the story about when she came into the room that um, uh, Bradley Cooper basically went over with a rag and was like no and wiped her makeup off it's like no this is what you need to be this is you this is who you are not this this is who Mm -hmm. you are and and it's like that's and and guess what happened he he kind of got jacked over because he didn't get nominated for best director for it but it got everything else see i thought that too i saw that i was like oh what a star is born didn't have a director yeah yeah that's kind of shitty um, I will tell you this. I will tell you this, and I'm going to lose my ever-loving shit if this doesn't happen. But I bet you money, because every freaking year, it's a Pixar movie that wins it. But Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse better win Best Animated Feature Film here. It did it at the Golden Globes, but it better win at the Oscars. Because it is the best animated movie of the year. And I don't even want to talk about Ralph Breaks the Internet because I will lose my ever-loving shit about the whole I hope that wins just so you have something I else to I will kill about. you. <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. I think you. that best original song will go to Gaga and Bradley Cooper. I'd like to see that happen. Just because I don't foresee them taking acting awards. I'm quite surprised that Gaga's even there. Well, isn't didn't she make history or something with this? Yes, because she's the first woman to be nominated in Best Actress and Best Song. Gotcha. That's what I thought. See, I and you I, know this means they'll have to sing it at the award ceremony. Her and Bradley Cooper. Oh, of course. Yeah. Now I do like all the stars by Kendrick Lamar and Sea. I do like that from Black Panther, but Shallow's just beautiful. Look, that one year when Eminem won and when Three Six Mafia won, it just showed that anything is possible at the Oscars, that anything truly can happen. Any sort of recognition can come through. So I hope that all of these um, quote unquote underdogs, I hate that term, I hope all of those productions do take home gold because it's time we do have a little diversity back into how we determine winners. It needs to be not about the campaigning. It needs to be about who achieved the best art. It's true. I think the art art part of it has been left out due to politics and due to campaigning by studios. It's gone well, away. Thankfully, we're getting we got Weinstein out. Oh God, so thank God. I hope there's a lot of change in the way that this is this is handled because I was I saw in another video where I think only three Latina women have ever been nominated for best actress. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I, I uh that whole thing, yeah, 
Don't even get me started. And on I that. saw Jennifer Tilly posting about um, last week about or t- today about her and her sister Meg's nominations. And she showed little gifts of them from their respective ceremonies where they were nominated. And in the caption, she had pointed out that her and her sister represent two of five Asians ever nominated for an acting Oscar. It's true. I do love the fact that that um, that was funny at um, the Golden Globes when Emma Stone was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should never have taken that part. <laughs> um, but really quickly before we wrap things up, I did want to um, just add some no, stuff. I thought we had a couple things. I thought we had a couple things. Um, that was really it. I just had the, I had that. And, um, did you have anything else that you wanted? I did. As we are sitting here recording, I just saw that, um, according to my sources, which is my favorite movie gossip site, darkhorizons.com. I love Garth. Don't you? I love Garth. Okay. Um, well, Garth's site posted that, uh, the CW, Garth himself, Posted the CW has ordered the Lost Boys series pilot. <gasps> ah, yes. Yeah. It was announced apparently, you know, three years ago, but it is finally moving forward and it's going to be a TV series apparently. I think it's, it's set in the West. What does it give you more details about it? Because I've heard a couple of things on um, this. The- it's been ordered um, and is based on a new take by Heather Mitchell, um, who I guess previously worked on Scandal, but specifics are unknown. Previously, Veronica Mars and iZombie creator Rob Thomas pitched a version that, like The Crown, would cover a decade of events per season. Okay, that's probably it. So they, they're, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I got to give props of CW, man. I love Riverdale. Riverdale is just the shiz and um, I'm catching up to this season and this season they did the satanic panic of the Dungeons and Dragons only it was a different board game for this for the show but they they tackled that in this season and then they did like a flashback to all the characters playing their respective parents back in the day. Mm. So it's pretty great. Um, so I'll give I'll, I I have high hopes for anything that CW does when it comes to. Well, CW. they have a lot of pilots coming. Like check this out. So they've also ordered pilots for Nancy Drew by the creators of Gossip Girl, along with spinoffs of Riverdale entitled Kathy Keene and a Jane the Virgin spinoff now retitled Jane the Novella. <laughs> on the, and they all joined the previously ordered Batwoman pilot. So the CW seems to be cooking up a lot of shit. Yeah, I liked Ruby Rose, too, as Batwoman, i got to say. And then I they like... have Roswell, New Mexico. That's Oh, God. That's going to be your new favorite show. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could, will you cover that here on the program? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before, we, before we wrap up, i got to talk about Harhound Weekend. Because I am stupidly excited and we finally did the announcement that I was waiting for everybody to, to hear about, which is uh, um, Ryan, I'm sure, has already is already sque- screamed as loudly as he could when he heard Nev Campbell's coming, which that's not the that has already been announced. Everybody knew she was coming. We're going to have Christina Ricci, Christopher Lloyd. Um, so basically, we're actually having like a massive um, Adam's family reunion at the show. Uh, Jimmy Workman, who played Pugsley, Carol Struckian, if I said that right, who played Lurch, is going to be there. Of course, Christina Ricci is going to be there. Christopher Lloyd. Um, so we're having a massive, and um, Joan Cusack is coming, and she's bringing her brother John. We announced that finally. So we're going to have John Cusack. <laughs> You're telling me lies right now. No, we're going to have John Cusack. I heard about that. I didn't hear that Debbie fucking Jelinski. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like ruining anything because there's, it's already been spoilered by, if you go to the photo site, it, her picture's there. So she's not on the main page, but Debbie Jelinski is coming to Horror Home Weekend for the Adams Family panel. I need to get her to sign a Malibu Barbie. (laughs) <laughs> so we're going to have Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci. So we're going to have a Casper reunion. Um, Billy Boyd's coming, who I'm excited about because he's cute and a hobbit. And he was also the son of Chucky. 
Um, James Duke Courtney, who is the, one of the scariest motherfuckers I've ever met, um, he who plays the new Michael Myers. He scared you? He scared me because he just casually talked about the fact that he had lived for a while with a an ex-mafia hitman who talked to him and taught him how people died when you killed them. Yep. That was awkward. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was that was that was odd. That was he just kind of threw that out there. And then my drinking buddies, the um the super troopers, Paul Soder and Eric Stolansky are coming back. They're fantastic and fun as hell and will probably be seen everywhere. And then we also announced Biff, um, Thomas F. Wilson's coming. So Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. I have the biggest crush on Biff. He looks cool. He looks nice in this picture we've got up on the Does he? Do you need help running his panel, Jessica? You, You can help run his panel. And, oh, Dylan McDermott is coming. And Robert Patrick is going to be there. Do you think he stares out the window and masturbates and cries? <laughs> I, I'm going to like, I'm just going to glomp all over him and tell him how happy I was to watch LA to Vegas and how sad I was when it, it got canceled. I, I thought he was just freaking hilarious in that. Listen, listen, Linda, listen, honey, listen, Linda. <laughs> I know that like you are a very generous friend and like, you'll give me opportunities to come help you with the panels. You did so with it. Um, I just, if you're doing anything with St. Neff Campbell, I you just like. You got it. And, and we ha- also, Feruza Balk is coming. So we're going to have the craft you need, reunion. You need to quit telling lies on recording. <laughs> and then Meatloaf's going to be there. And then um, Doug Jones, my boy, Dougie, is coming. Your pretend husband. My pretend husband. Uh, and then uh, Polly Shore is going to be there, too, which I find just hilarious that Polly Shore is coming. But the fact is, he actually has a short that he just did where he is um, a serial killer and he wants to make a feature length film uh, of it. Oh, and John Carroll Lynch. So we will most likely be having a um, American Horror Story panel. Ryan. Well, you know, I'm all about those. Mm-hmm. but. Um, you need to listen, <laughs> listen, if it happens behind the scenes, happens, kids, this is what happens at the show. It this does. Is- listen, all I'm going to say is if you do have a panel, you're not going to try to get cute about Emma Roberts again and then try to like, look for me out in the crowd. So you we're can not- be like, look, I just got cute and you can't say anything. We're not, this time. We're going to not speak of her. That's no, you have to because she's I such don't. a crucial part of the show. I'll no. have the microphone. No. I'll have a microphone. No. <laughs> we will not speak of Emma Roberts. You shut your whore mouth. I'll stop and be like, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, cut the mic. Cut the mic. <laughs> cut the mic. <laughs> I'll just do this motion and <laughs> it'll take. I'll kill you. I love you. <laughs> so, yeah, but, Horror Weekend sounds like it's going to be a blast. And I did not know blast. about a lot of those guests. Yeah, we're they're slowly announcing them. Um, so, once again, we're going to be at the Sharonville Convention Center March 15th through the 17th. And it's going to be fun as hell. Lots of cool stuff is going to be going on. The tattoo festival's happening. The um, convention center has a um, a food court in it. So, you never have to leave. Is zombie dogs coming again this year? Because I'm sure they are. Oh, that's local to Dayton right here in Ohio. They're amazing. Um, they actually just announced on their Facebook that they are closing their restaurant oh, temporarily no. for a few weeks because they're rephasing and they're going to be offering a much more vast menu at oh, their wow. restaurant now. So kudos to them. They always bring their amazing hot dogs to Horror Hound, and I cannot wait but to grab me one of those wieners. My. <laughs> <laughs> leave Biff alone. Um, I, I was I, what? <laughs> my uh, sister. Uh, I'd never had one of those before, and so um, I told her. I told her, no, you have to get the hot dog. You have to. And we got the um, the one that has like jalapeno something or other on. I can't remember the name of it, and it literally was the best hot dog I've ever had in my life. It was so good. I don't even like spicy stuff, and it was good. So I've never been disappointed uh-uh. by 
Never. So. And they also have my favorite, which is um, Skyline Chili in there. Your favorite is Skyline Chili. I love Skyline Chili. I lived Jessica, off that for one whole weekend at one of those shows. Would you like me to send you cans of Skyline Chili? God, if you would, I would love you so much. Because, you know, it's a local to this area. I know. So. You can send them to me because I don't have them here. We don't have Skyline. It's a sadness. Anyway, with that... <laughs> <laughs> um, I am very excited to announce that we are going to have a special guest uh, next week on the show. We're going to have um, author S.A. Bradley, who is fantastic. He's got a, um, a new book out called Screaming for Pleasure, How Horror Makes You Happy and Healthy. Um, it's a really interesting read. It talks about the psychological effects of horror and how um, you start. He he um, compares in the first chapter your first truly scary horror movie experience to your first kiss. It's very interesting, and um, I'm really excited to have him on the show. Um, he's got his own podcast that um, he does, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time, I think. So, yeah, be sure to check out um, with us next week for that. He does a, a, a podcast called Hellbent for Horror, and, um, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm excited. I love having writers on because they're always interesting. I get to pick their brain and steal their secrets and how they do things. But... With that, everybody, I want to welcome to Fangirl Radio the lovely and talented Maria Olson. Uh, she's been in a literal ton of films. You'll you'll recognize her from movies like Percy Jackson and The Lightning Thief. Um, she's been in just a ton of stuff. I can't even list all of this. Her her IMDb list is just forever. So I want to thank you for, for joining us, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you about some of the things that you've done and the industry in general, because you've got a, a, just a, a lot of a genre work and kind of everything, and um, you're, you're from South Africa, which actually has a, a lot of uh, uh, films that are coming out from there and has had a lot of, of uh, visibility now, thanks to works like District 9 and things like that. So I'm just I'm just excited to talk to you about that. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we haven't killed anybody yet, which is good. Um, so first of all, I wanted to talk to you um, about um, the work you've done in in the genre and and the fact that you know you're you're a woman working in the genre. And I've, I've asked this a lot, and I'm curious to have your take on it. How has it been lately? Has it been getting better for women that you can see within the industry and especially within genre work? Because I know, to me, it seems like this is the place to go for women to get really meaty roles and to, um, to really be, you know, taken seriously more. Like, they're not so catered to or, or pandered in their characters. Uh. Yes, I agree. Uh, there are a lot of good roles for women in horror, and I think we have to thank the final girl trope for that. Um, what I'm coming up against at this point of my career, though, is there aren't so many wonderfully good meaty roles for women above 50 years of age, which I now am. Um, so often I would read a breakdown for a horror movie and go, oh my God, there's such amazing roles here, but wait, where's the older woman role? No, there isn't one. Okay, next. I'm sad now. <laughs> so, yeah, I know um, I've talked to um, one of the pioneers and kind of icons for me is Lynn Shay, And mm. her work and what she gets to do, um, and I talked to her at length about this, um, you know, she's kind of like the, um, the, the, uh, I, I want to say elder stateswoman, I guess would be, but she's managed to in her in her career at this point in her life become the the icon of a whole series. And she even talked about how this is so rare, and I'm really blessed because I got mm. to work with Lee Wanell, and he created this character and keeps creating for her, and she kicks ass. Yeah, yeah, she does. Um, and I'm also, I also was very pleased to see um, Jamie Lee Curtis 
bleeding oh, yeah. away this Halloween. You know, that hopefully that will start a trend. Um, look at Tony Collette in Hereditary. She was older, um, which is awesome. So hopefully we are seeing a movement in the genre that opens up more roles for um, older women. You know, that would be absolutely amazing because there are a lot of us just waiting in the wings, you know, to be called onto that center stage. I mean, Lynn Lowry, Brick Stevens, Irene Dietz, myself, although I'm a little bit younger than the others, um, you know, Camille Keaton, we're all here just waiting for the bigger project, for the bigger roles, you know? So write it for us. We're awesome. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think... I'm sorry to interject here, Jessica, but it's a prime opportunity. Maria, you make a great comment, and I feel that, um, and if you're comfortable with me mentioning something we'll be, fingers crossed, collaborating together with very soon, and that is Starlets, I think that we, I I believe we'll, we'll make a nice little comment as well about how that has been kind of the issue for a long time, as far as there's just not a lot of great layered complex characters out there for an older actress. Yeah. And so. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I think the one, one of the women that really kind of knocked that wall down to, uh, there's two, but, and they're both, it's of course in, in genre work, which, you know, come back to, comes back to that is Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton. I mean, they, you know, Part, we can cuss on here because who cares? They give no fucks, and <laughs> it's and it's the same with like um, Jessica Lang. You know, they are powerhouses, and it's proof that you know the gravitas comes with the age. And I mean, I'm sorry, but that's the truth, and it's kind of going on. It's one of those things. It's I, I'm a, you know, Ryan's probably going to roll his eyes when I say this, but I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, and. Mm-hmm. That happened with, you know, he, a male actor in Peter Capaldi when he got cast after having a, a young studly Matt Smith as the doctor for so long. You had this older man, but he was able to, you know, that the gravitas comes with age and they're, they need to not see that as a pariah. And I, I really mm. hate that, you know, it, it's it you certain actors, certain characters can't be played by under 20 you know absolutely yeah yeah (laughs) but um yeah um what i am seeing though is you know what there are usually at least one sometimes more above 50 um role but they're usually for men you know the vast majority is for men exactly like come on now that's not fair you know let's let's level this playing field you know, sometimes I even submit and say, well, if you're open to a female for this role, hi, I'm waving at you sort of thing. And this is what I've done. So, yes, I'm, 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 I'm sort of kind of good. <laughs> you know? uh, well, and I, I think it was great because it wasn't, I, I believe it was Helen Mirren, um, who is another badass. She mm-hmm. took on the role of Prospero. Um in the, wow. the class in that classic and had it retooled for her as a woman Excellent. and it's like holy shit that's awesome yeah. <laughs> you're taking like old school myth mythic you know story and yeah, like no yeah. it doesn't have to be a, a male so i think yeah. that's fantastic um, so going back to, um, you know, you're, you're from South Africa and I'm, I always want to ask when it's from, when people are from another country that, um, I'm sort of familiar with, but I don't know all the details. Can you talk about, um, the film world there? Because we, we were introduced to it, like I said, from district nine and Chappie mm-hmm. and, um, some other projects. And you had a film called, um, African Gothic. That I did, which we shot just outside of Los Angeles. <laughs> that's awesome but <laughs> but I, I i i love the look of it i saw the trailer for it can you can you talk about you know genre work and the film world from from that part of the world and 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 how 
you know, what sort of uh, tales that you see there? Like, what kind of scripts do you get from from that part of the country or the world? Sorry. Um, when I left South Africa, which was just over 14 years ago, um, I had not come into contact in any way, shape, or form with the film industry. Um, I was in a place called East London, which is on the South African coast. I was doing radio. I was doing um, uh, theater. But the film industry was centered in Johannesburg and Cape Town. And that was like nine, ten hours traveling away from me. So I wasn't involved. Um, I so went you see- back to South Africa uh-huh. in November. We were going to shoot um, a feature film. But unfortunately, we had a push that one, um, and we just did a whole bunch of pre-production meetings and photo shoots and interviews and tapings and that while we were there. And um, I got to speak with a few of the South African production companies, but I still don't really have a picture of the entire scene as it is now, never really having been involved in it. And, um, you know, I think... Also, the scripts that I'm seeing from the one production company that I'm involved with are literally sourced from all over the world. They're not only sourced from South Africa, although they have done work with South African um, screenwriters and South African-based stories. But, you know, they look at script submissions from literally all over the world. Um, And that's pretty much all I can tell you, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Well, and it, you you brought up something that I'm, I'm curious about because in in England I know this is huge and they still have a lot like with BBC Radio they do a lot of productions on 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 radio and do a lot of radio plays a lot of of um, audio dramas when you were working in radio was that something that you did? No, um, I did commercials on radio. Gotcha, gotcha. I was just curious because I, I, I always love learning about those little those little bits and pieces of uh, different parts of the world. So, how did you get into um, into because you, you've like we said we, you've done a lot of work in genre. How how did you get into this this field? How did you get into um, working in the the horror community is so much. Um, that sort of started happening when I was um, starting out in film in Los Angeles. Um, I had done a ton of theater work, um, and then I started out in film. And when I was seeing myself on screen, uh, watching my auditions or watching the projects that I had booked, um, I realized that I had a very, very, very intense on-screen presence for whatever reason. You know, um, and I love the horror genre. So I was like, you know what? I think if you want to book projects, concentrate on the heavier genres. So I did. I did. I looked at horror. I looked at fantasy. I looked at um, science fiction. I looked at heavy, heavy drama. And those predominantly are the genres that I submit in because I know I have a better chance of booking them. And funnily enough, I also book in like weird off-the-wall horror comedies where I have <laughs> to play these over-the-top strange characters. But I, I don't usually do subtle comedy well, and I don't do things like rom-com or anything vaguely normal. I don't generally do that well. Um, I like very, very complex layered roles or wacky, over-the-top comedy roles. Like, I was Zombie Rose in um, Diner, get it? And that was the whole title, D-I-E-N-E-R, <laughs> get it? Um, and it's been one of my dreams for a long time to write a script called Igord, and for me to play a female Igor character, you know? And eventually, when I have two seconds together, I'll do that, but not now. <laughs> I don't have two seconds together right now. So um, it sounds like you would you would be great for like a Coen Brothers movie. Have you have you is there some specific director or um, writer or, or um, f- you know filmmaker that you would like to work with that you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Yes, on top of my list, absolutely on the top of my list is Mike Flanagan. 
Um, I've seen, I think, everything that he's made. I adore everything that he makes. I mean, The Haunting of Hill House was superb. So that's my number one choice right now. Um, but there are a ton of directors that I want to work with, obviously. Um, a ton of writers that I want to work with. A ton of actors. Oh, my God. Yes. Lots of people. Um, but I have a special place in my heart for Mike Flanagan. I actually got the chance to interview him, and he was fantastic to talk to. He uh, he is a actual massive Doctor Who geek as well, and he oh, got yeah. to work with yeah. And Oculus, he had um, uh, uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on her name now, but the um, the gal who played Amy, uh, who was now in uh, oh god, how how. Karen Gillian. Oh my God. I just completely blank. He got to meet her and she brought um, Matt Smith with him, with her because they just happened mm-hmm. to be in, in LA together. And he was wearing his Dr. Who t-shirt when he met him. And he <laughs> was very embarrassed. By the fact that I've, got your face so much, I've got your face on my chest and, and yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but I know you worked with, um, you've worked with uh, Ryan here uh, who is very quiet right now did you die ryan no i was just i was just letting you i was letting you hens chat (laughs) called us hens um (laughs) but uh you've worked with ryan and and i know that you've done some short films and and uh some independent films as well um can you talk about working in the in the independent um, film industry and and how because um, you've worked on bigger projects too? Can you talk about mm. the differences for you as a as an actress and and what you what kind of preference do you have for either one? Um, well, on the really big films, you get fed like a ton of food and you get fat, <laughs> um, a ton of amazing food, and you get your own trailer. And sometimes they even forget you're there, so you get paid double time and golden time, which is awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> you're also just a very tiny piece in a very big puzzle. And it's a little bit impersonal, even though the moments I spent on set for things like Percy Jackson were absolutely amazing. And I adore Chris Columbus and everyone I worked with there, actually. But you are still very aware that you are but a small piece in this really gigantic puzzle. And you don't get to know people like you do on an indie film set. Um, I just got back from shooting Eminence Hill in Arizona, for instance. This is the third time I'm working with Robert Conway and his brother, Owen Conway. Um, And literally, it's like coming back and working with family by now. You know, we'll go out for dinner, we'll have long chats, you know, we'll share a beer, we'll just shoot the shit, you know, it's like family. Um, It's not so impersonal as it is with the bigger productions. And as much as I love the bigger productions and the bigger paycheck, I like the feeling of family a little bit more. So I love being in the indie world. Just because of that reason, you know? Oh, I totally know. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, I, I, I am not going to hog her, so go for it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you've worked together, but you haven't had a chance to actually chat in person one-on-one, so go for it. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, oh, gosh, Maria, I've been corresponding online with you for years now. Yeah. And yes, and in that time it's been so much fun seeing you book all of these wonderful jobs. I know that um everyone is very excited for uh, Deja Vu. Oh my gosh, and, yes. And yes. I'm really excited to to know that someone I know is in this sequel to such a legendary horror film. Yeah, that was Wow, shooting that film was absolutely amazing. I mean, I'm still such close friends with the Zarki family that we get together at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, and have dinner for hours, and my dad embarrasses everybody by singing songs, and then we take them <laughs> and we put them on the internet. Yeah, you know, so it's, again, it's this friendship, this feeling of family that just carries on even after we've wrapped, you know? 
Um, but yeah, I'm waiting, waiting to hear some more news of, on Deja Vu so that I can announce to everyone when it's going to be released and how. I cannot wait to start that. Really, I cannot. So that's going to uh, be very, very exciting for us. Well, I know all of us um, fans of the genre are very excited. And, um, you know, our mutual friend and how I met you also worked on that film, Kelsey C. Magel. So mm-hmm. um, just very excited that all these awesome females that I know and that I respect are doing all of these wonderful, crazy things. I have talked to Camille Keaton as well online a lot. She's very interactive with her fan base and she's mm-hmm. so excited and proud of the film too. So yeah, definitely please oh, let she us know. It was amazing. Oh my God. I have so much respect for Camille Keaton, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked when I first met you, you did tell me about your, um, your complete adoration for working with Chris Columbus on Percy Jackson. But what yeah. I would really like to um, kind of, get a little tea from you, if you will, Maria, is um, <laughs> Jessica and I talk a lot on this program about American Horror Story. And I was so Ooh. delighted to see a very familiar face pop up in Asylum, which would be you. <laughs> <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, like, can you just tell me a little bit about what a set on, of American Horror Story is like? I really, really had a good time. Um, we worked on the set with, obviously, Jessica Lang, um, mm-hmm. Lily Robbie, Zachary Quinto. Um, oh, my gosh. Why do I always forget her name? Uh, Chloe Savini, um, Sarah Paulson. That's the one. You know, they were all on set, all in the scenes that I was part of. Um, and everyone was absolutely lovely. Jessica was like, wow, she was just amazing. Wonderful person. Um, I had a grand time. They had me smoking cigarettes and of all things. And I would just like pick up a random cigarette from a table and smoke it. And they were like, no, 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 I have this special one. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's the difference? So. <laughs> Who had that job was the cigarette. <laughs> and they, um, oh, they took our shoelaces out of our shoes because, you know, mental patients can't have shoelaces. God knows what right. we do with them. But I was so afraid that my shoes would just, like, fall off in the middle of everything. So I was like, oh, I'm walking slowly this time. Yes, hi. Um, <laughs> but the set was amazing. Um, that set was in the middle of the soundstage at Paramount. Um, it was this entire building, the asylum, was, like, constructed on one of the sound stages. It was huge. It was wow. really one of the, um, you know, a lot of the sets that, that um, they shoot on sound stages, they don't have ceilings because you just don't aim the camera up at an angle that you can see a ceiling, okay? Mm-hmm. But this one had ceilings. It was that wow. well made and self-contained and everything. Yeah. Wow. So that was really, really awesome. And uh, we were a hand-picked group of um of, of background players. We had to go for at least one interview. I think it might have been two um, on the lot, you know, so that we knew what we were getting into. They knew who they were getting. And then it was quite sad, actually, what happened with me. I got on my first, I think it was a three-day shoot with them for that Nor'easter episode. And then the times they called me back, I was performing a delusion. So I was like, I'm so sorry, I have live performances today and tomorrow or whenever they needed me for. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll call in somebody else. So I was called back for at least two more episodes, but I didn't shoot them because I was performing delusion. So story of my life, you know, schedule, conflicts, left, right, and center. Well, with that, I have to ask this. I have to. Maria, did you meet Ryan Murphy? No, no, I did not. I wish. I wish I had. So close, Jessica. So close. Dude, she worked (laughs) with Jessica Lang. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) What do I want? I want an actual role on the show. That's what I want. (laughs) I want that for you. I do, too. That would be amazing. I would love that, but I... 
yeah, I don't seem to get the opportunity to audition for them, which is sad. Well, I always have this theory that um, Ryan Murphy listens to my phone calls. It's a joke I have with some of my friends. So (laughs) I'll make sure to put in a word for you, Maria. (laughs) Excellent. I mean, uh, my agent is a friend of his. So it should be easy, but nothing is easy. (laughs) Nothing is easy. You're right. Well, thank you for sharing that story about American Horror Story with me. It's one of my favorite shows. So it's really great to hear that that set is, as they say it is. It's a great set. Yeah, it is. Lovely people. I'd go back in a heartbeat, believe me. Yeah, that ser- the series in Ryan Murphy, he typically, like, it's sort of like he has his own troupe that he he uses for everything. Mm. And it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of neat to see that he keeps using the same actors and, and, and they're kind of like, a, you know, his troupe, really. And I... Kind of goes back to that family atmosphere that you were talking about. That you know, they all know each other by this point. They know how each other tick. So exactly, and and you learn to trust. You know, you're like, oh yeah, I'll use Joe. I've worked with Joe ten times. I know what he can do, and I can trust him. So obviously, you'll work with Joe. You know, instead Mm -hmm. of trying some poor actor off the street. Exactly. Exactly. So one thing, um, I I I know we're. we're running out of time here, but I wanted to um, to ask you about was um, we're going to be talking about the Oscars. And one thing that I um, was really excited to see is we're in the last couple of years, we're seeing a lot more respect for horror, for sci-fi. I mean, we had a comic book movie this year nominated for an Oscar um, mm. for best picture. Not, you know, we, we won for writing last year, but this time we have best picture for Black Panther. Um, yes. Do you see, because you work in this in this industry, you, you work on all of these different, um, you know, genres. Do you see that there's more and more respect coming for horror, for, um, for sci-fi now as this is going on? Because these are the places where we get to talk about the stuff that doesn't normally get spoken of. You know, mm. you know, and you get def- guys it up in there. Sorry. Definitely, I see more respect coming to horror. Um, we had a good showing last year um, with Get Out, and I forget the other film that was up. Uh, oh, the, uh, the Shape of Water. They called it horror, but I'm not sure it was. Um, <laughs> sci-fi, maybe, you know. Um, but yes, um, did you know that one of Elijah Wood's goals is to make a horror movie that wins Best Picture Oscar. Yes. And yes, yes. And I think he's going to be working very hard on that. Um, also, we're seeing a different kind of horror movie come through. Yes, we've got another Halloween, but we also have um, A Quiet Place. We have Hereditary. We have Bird Box. We have... Films that are coming along that are not relying on boobs and blood sort of thing. They're more the thinking man's horror movie. Um, they're more sophisticated. They're smarter. They're not necessarily smart horror, but they're smarter. You know, we have Suspiria. I haven't seen the new one yet. But again, that's not another Friday the 13th part 16 sort of thing. Um, so newer and more mature movies, horror movies are definitely coming down the pipeline. And I just hope that continues because that'll be a way for them to cross over into mainstream, I think, and, and get more screen time, more big screen time. I'm still pissed off that Tony Collette didn't get nominated because she, God, mm. she deserved it for her. Wow, she killed that role. She absolutely oh. killed that role. Yeah, that movie's hard to watch, and not not the parts where you know she's like cutting her own head off, but just just the parts where you see her breaking down and mm-hmm. the the whole family dynamic. That's there's so many levels of horror in that, but it's the ones that mm-hmm. are like the everyday stuff that they just nail in that movie. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Well, I Maria saw it um, less than a week ago, and I was so impressed with it. Um, there was just like one long, one misstep for me right at the very end, but otherwise it was, it was a brilliant film, you know, 
Oh yeah, no, it was. I, I just it, it, it unnerved the hell out of me. The 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 mm. of course the the on the ceiling scene. I'm like, oh my oh, god. god, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, ladies, it's quiet. it's also worth mentioning that Tony Collette has been nominated for an Oscar before for a performance in a horror thriller, and that was Best Supporting Actress for The Sixth Sense. True that. That's true. So it's kind of like mm. a double slam in her face that like they've recognized her before for a performance in a horror film. Why skip her this year? Because I saw the I saw the nominations and you know there's just I feel like there could have been some other ladies that got recognized over some of those other things that yeah. came to be. Yeah. It's yeah, sad. Exactly. Well, Maria, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to us today. This was fantastic. I had a lot of fun talking to you and learning stuff. And we want to, when mm-hmm. we, you're always welcome back on the show, any project thank that you've you. got to talk about or just come chat, we, we would love to have you back. Sure. Can I do a quick plug for oh, please. Yes. Plug um, thank you. Krampus <laughs> Origins came out in November, so it is still sort of kind of new, so find that and watch that. And December saw um, All the Creatures Were Stirring come out, which is a horror anthology, and um, everyone loves that, especially the reindeer, so I think find that and watch that too. And um, January, we'll see um, my next film released, which is Painkillers, um, which is a new take on the vampire genre, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing it at the end of the month, and I think it's being released on the 31st. Um, so there's another one for everyone to look out for. So I'm actually being blessed with so many films coming out, like one on top of the other, you know. And I have so many films that I'm scheduled to shoot this year that I cannot actually keep them in my mind at one time. <laughs> <laughs> You're super busy. So is is that the one that is that the vampire film that has Judy Tenuta in it? Maybe. Because I, I, I see it. Yeah, you've got a lot of so Meg Foster, Raphael Sabar. No, 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 no. It's not the Meg Foster one. Okay, okay. Because I'm like looking at your list. I'm like, where is it? It's a vampire movie. I gotta see. It. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So this is great. That no, I, I, you're working with Judy Tenuta, who was my god for so long when I was growing up in the '80s. I love her. Yeah. And Meg Foster, who has the eyes of doom, she can turn oh, her eyes awesome. on. Like I saw her do it. Like they're wow. nor- they're blue. They're blue, crazy blue. And then she does mm. this thing where she goes, "Hold on a minute." And she stops, and then she opens her eyes back up, and they're glowing. And I'm like, wow. you've got, like, some crazy power that makes your wow. eyes glow from the inside. And you're, like, really evil in, aren't you? You're really, you're, you're, you're really a witch. It's <laughs> 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 yeah, like, a you're, real thing. You're, oh, you're, my God. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I saw her do it. And I'm like, holy shit. She really can do wow. that. Wow. Oh my God, she's stunning. She's another badass yeah. older lady that just oh, God, I yeah. want to mess with her because she will stab you. <laughs> I really yeah, I just watched her in um, in thirty one in Rob Zombie thirty one. She was amazing, and also just by the way, Sherry Moon Zombie in thirty one was brilliant. Oh yeah, no, I I uh, I actually modded the thirty one panel at Horrorham Weekend, and we had um oh gosh Richard Brocky was there, and we had uh, like a bunch of like we almost had the entire cast Sans Sherry and um and Meg, but we I mean we had like mm-hmm. a lot of the killers there from the movie, and it was so hilarious because that oh god I forgot her name, but. She's the little, she does the voice from Rugrats, and she's this little, petite little oh, yeah, girl. Yeah. And, and yeah. she's. E.G. Daly. Daly, thank you, thank you. You're um, welcome. I'm having so many problems remembering names. I think I've got, I'm, I've got a problem. Um, but she was, <laughs> she was fantastic on stage, and she, and, um, but yeah, that, that whole cast, that's another one where 
Rob keeps bringing the same people in every, you know, mm-hmm. like he'll keep using them. And I like the fact that he uses actors that some people have, have may have like, you know, they're like, wait, oh, where were they? They've been gone for a little while. And he'll bring them back kind of like Tarantino did. And now yeah. they're, they're like getting work right and left, which is fantastic. Yes, that's awesome. I wish I could work with him as well, you know, in a principal capacity. I mean, yes, I worked on Lords of Salem, but I was one of many of us in different animal masks, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, a principal role would be awesome with Rob Zombie. Oh, I, I don't doubt you're going to get it. I don't doubt it at all. I'm sure you're going to. Because he, he that seems, he keeps making films and, and, uh, he's, uh, he just did the, the next in the devil's reject. So he did the mm. sequel, um, for that just, I think wrapped. So I think it did a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah. yeah. Three from hell, right? Yeah. yeah three from yeah. hell. That's it. Yep. So yeah. I have no doubt it's going to happen. You're, you're going to get it. But the, again, thank you so much, Maria. This was this was fantastic, and um, yeah, everybody, check out her IMDb list. And where online can they find you um, for to to check out what you're doing? Do you have Twitter, website, anything like that? Sure, I have my Facebook page, which is the Maria Olson fan page. Um, I'm on Twitter at Maria Olson six six. Then I'm on Instagram, also Maria Olson six six. I'm sort of consistent across the social media networks so you can find me easily. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. This was great. And everybody check out um, when we finally get the announcement of when it's going to be released. um, The uh, I spit on your grave. Deja vu, correct? Correct. Yes. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you again, Maria. This was fantastic. And um, we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio.